0: Our scripture reading for this morning comes from John chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This is God's word. Please be seated. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you here and be together. Um, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And if uh, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I want to let you know or give you a heads up. I have a stutter and it'll kind of come in and out as, as we go. And just want to make sure that, that you know what that is. What that is, and as was said earlier, if you came in later, um, you can by all means move around chairs as you need if your group's bigger or smaller or you know anything um, like that. And go ahead and turn with me to John chapter one. We'll be in um, verses six through eighteen this morning. And before we got, dive into that, I, I want to make you aware of a couple things or reiterate some things that Sarah mentioned. Um, Earlier, One is, again, just we're using the language of we're still, right now, we're still online with an in-person um, option, and so all of you who are here and, and outside, um, it's just so good to be able to gather like this, and, and please join us in continuing to pray for wisdom and, and just for health, and that we can continue to kind of move ahead with uh, different films phases. Um, also, again, I want to make you aware, while we're in that process, we have never been closed. We're intentionally using the language that Jesus' church, over which he is the head and he rules, is, has always been open. And no matter all across the world for the past thousands of years, whatever's going on, his people are, are at work and his gospel is going forward. Amen? Yes. All right. Um, as I said if I can't hear you saying amen I at least want some really active eyebrows um, you know so I know that you're um, tracking and, and then um, so with that there are opportunities to serve and so one I want to highlight is Caring Ministries is a ministry right when COVID hit we dove in and we're um, one of a number of churches kind of helping to serve in that way. And they've shared that likely the economic impact is going to continue for a long time. And the people most on the margins, if you will, um, will probably suffer. Historically, that's been the case the most. And so the need is not over. In fact, it's really ramping up. So I'd want to invite you on Tuesday morning from 8 to 10.30 a.m. Um, every week. We can gather there. There are ways to sign up. So again, look for that info to, to please join in that incredible ministry. And then second, I want to also highlight again the marriage retreat coming up that first weekend in October. Um, as a married man myself and, and just and a pastor and getting to come alongside a lot of different people from pre-marriage to you know, all the way along. Um, this season has revealed our need to be intentional. And in our marriages, um, we, that's something that it's just easy to kind of slap on a smile, pretend things are good, and just build bad habits of communication or lack thereof and different things. And so church, if you're married, um, I want to encourage you to, to go to and participate with us in this incredible opera. And so, if you want to and you don't know how or you need help in some way, reach out to us, okay? Send us an email, um, Tucson at and we want to help you be a part of that. All right? So, with that, let's go ahead and pray. We've got a ton to cover this morning. So, let's pray. Pray for me, if you will. Pray for pray the stutter, just, you know, next half an hour or so, that's on, 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 on pause, and, uh, and we can get into God's Word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your church as as we've already sung about and shared this morning. Lord, we are not the ones putting this whole thing together. We're not even bringing you something um, in and of our own efforts that, that just, you know, appeases you or satisfies you. Lord, this is a gift. You have pursued us. You have opened our eyes and softened our hearts and then brought us into community with you through faith in Jesus. And you have given us uh, the blessing of of participating in what we'll get to be a part of for all eternity in every different way, Lord, worshiping you. And so I pray that this morning, as, as I've heard it said... Will be a reminder of reality that this isn't a a, a kind of um, entering up into the ethereal clouds and kind of forgetting about all our all of our our worries. But this is re- reminding us that no, you being the center, you being the hero and the author of the story of of all of life. That's real life. And Lord, we hear different um, truncated stories throughout weak and then we can come back and be reminded of the truth again so Lord, i pray that you will remind us and shape us and encourage us and lord um redirect us where needed and then send us out again to live all of life all for jesus in his name we pray amen have you ever gotten mistaken for being somebody else do you are you the kind of person that someone's like oh i know i know you you have that face which I don't know what that means, always, but you know you're you're that kind of person that that I've I've seen multiple times. For me, a number of different people I've been mistaken for. I don't know. I guess I have one of those faces. Um, if you guys remember in the early two thousands when the first of like probably many Spider-Man series came out in Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, a lot of people thought I was Peter Parker, not Spider-Man because somehow he got taller and buffer and stuff, but. Peter Parker. And um, in fact, like a three or four-year-old, we had friends, this three or four-year-old was convinced that that's who I was. And other things along the way, as I've gotten older and shifted, right, a Care Bear, if you remember, Ewok. Right. Matt Tillman. Um, people think we are each other. Um, different things. So you, you see that happening. Sometimes it's kind of cringy when someone's like, oh, I know you, I know you. And then they finally figure out they don't. It's like, oh, you were way off. You're wrong there. And it can be uncomfortable. Well, on some level, that's what's going on in John chapter one, where we pick up in verse six is this guy, John the Baptist, who's actually Jesus's second cousin, Um, people are wondering who he is and they're wondering if he's the Messiah, if he's the one that God promised to send to restore everything to himself. And and so we're going to be covering a ton this morning and we're going to start there in verse six because it seems like a little bit of like, what's going on? Why would that be there? And then we'll dive back into where it seemed like we left off in verse five where it's talking about the light that cannot be overcome by the darkness. Well, um, the big idea that I want us to walk away from this morning and to understand is that, is that all of life, the purpose of all of life is to bear witness to Jesus, okay, who is, who is the light of God in the flesh. And for all those who receive him, who believe in him, are given the right to be called children of God. Okay, so we're going to walk through those kind of big ideas in these um, verses 6 through 18 this morning. So again, picking up in chapter 1, verse 6, we pick up here and meet John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Not to be confused with the John that wrote this. This is John the apostle, the follower of Jesus. Well, the John that we're now hearing about is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So next week, when we pick up in verse 19, we'll get back into John. Okay. So this is this short snippet about John. You're like, why is that in there? Why did he throw in verses 6 through 8? It seems really confusing. And then again, we're going to pick up with it. Well, it's because um, John the Baptist is likely a representative of the entire Old Testament. That John is making it clear in this kind of overture, right? This, this beginning part in these first 18 verses, the author John is giving us a snapshot of what he's going to reveal about Jesus through this whole book, through this whole gospel account. And what he's saying, what he's emphasizing is, listen, all the promises of God that that you are expecting, that you are anticipating, that you're building up for, they're all made known and made visible in Jesus. And John the Baptist, like many others, are, 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 are opportunities for us to redirect our eyes and think, oh, okay, this is it. And then from there to interact in our own level and to think, okay, I can kind of treat this guy, John the Baptist, how I want to, or I can do this. And John the Baptist makes it clear, no, 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 it's not about me. Don't look at me. Don't focus on me. Your hope is right. It's You should be anticipating God fulfilling his promises, but it's in one who is to come. It's in Jesus who will We'll hear his name said for the first time in verse 17. But again, this first part, John the Baptist rightly is saying, um, don't focus on me, but focus on the one who is the light. John says, I'm not the light, but I come to bear witness. And then he says here, like, this is the one who I, I, have, been, I have been bearing witness about. I've been telling you, his, his ministry is now fulfilled. What he came to do is to set the stage and to be like, like a herald saying, listen up, listen up to him. Hey, everybody, everybody, give me your attention. Look at him. That that's that's what we're designed for. All the way back in the very beginning. Again, I'm dipping into next week a bit, and we don't have tons of time, but in the very beginning, God created us with that purpose. He, he created us to bear his image, to reflect him. Okay, to we find ourselves. Most fully, most truly, most appropriately, when our whole life is about reflecting our creator. But because of sin, we make it about ourselves. We've turned away. And John the Baptist is saying, no, 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 it's not about me. All right. So let's kind of take our cues from him. And again, we'll pick back up with John the Baptist next week. So now, though, pick up in verse eight. Again, he says that he came to bear witness about the light. Now, verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Pause there for a moment. Okay. Again, we'll pick up John's building this anticipation. Who is this light that was in the world, but also created the world? And we'll hear in verse 17, it's building anticipation, but I don't want to pretend like we don't know. It's Jesus. Okay, Jesus created everything. We learn in Colossians chapter 1, everything that was created was created through him and for him. He presides and rules and reigns over all things. And yet there's an indictment here that says that, that the light was born and yet the world didn't know him he came to his own and his own people did not receive him all right so light as we talked about last week this is going to be a theme all throughout john light and life and then their opposite or the and the the um the the, appos- the opposite of it is is darkness and and death okay so light right we think of as warm it gives it gives it shows it helps us see it reveals and it's good, but there's also something that light does, and sometimes it reveals what's not good, right? It, it, when the light is shown, right, like a like a cockroach, right, it, it flees. It hates the light, and the light the light shows what's not good. What came to mind for me? If you've ever been c- camping. And there's this, and you're, you're having fun, you're, you're, you know, enjoying it, maybe even for a couple days, you're eating marshmallows, you're just going, life is good. And then there's that moment, either you get home, or maybe it's you look in the mirror when you're in your car driving home, and you're like, goo, right? You're like, reminded of of what you really look like, right? Like, the dark, the, the, the fire, the mountains, the lack of reflection anywhere, and, you know, you're like, oh, this is good. And then you see, man, I have that marshmallow in my hair, and dirt in my teeth, and all this stuff like, you know, and, and, and light is good, but it also reveals what is not good and what needs to be dealt with. And, and when that happens, hear me now, we are often tempted to run away from it, to snuff it out, to cover it up, to pretend like we don't see, to put on like blockers and say, I don't want to see the light. I don't want to see what's really there because it doesn't feel good. I just want to live in pretend land. I want to live... In the darkness. And when that happens, as it says that Jesus' own people, who should have been anticipating the light, excited for the coming of the light, they rejected him. Um, RC Sproul says this. He says, The prologue, again, verses one through eighteen, this prologue of John contains an awful word of judgment. He was in the world, but his own did not receive him. We ought to flinch when we read these words properly, for this verse tells us the world is exposed to the condemnation of God because people prefer the darkness to the light. They do not want to come to the light because their evil deeds will be exposed. we'll see that in a few months when we get to John chapter 3. This is fleshed out even more clearly. If you want to turn there, you can, or just make note. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 20 says this. This judgment is that the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works Should be exposed. Jesus comes into the world as the light of the world to expose and deal with what is brokenness, death, darkness. And church, I just want to pause for a moment. Okay, I trust that the Holy Spirit will do the convicting where need be. But where might you prefer the darkness? Where might you um, have grown used to keeping the light away? Snuffing it out, because if that were really exposed to my family, my church community, myself, my God, then that would just be too much. Well, well, the good news I want to tell you is that, that though it can be painful... Though it can be difficult, though it can be ugly to see what is really there, it's the best thing for us. God loves us too much to allow us to pretend. And let's just say the the obvious is that if it's there, God's light is revealing it. Okay, the question is just do we want to recognize it or, or not? Do we want to be, do we want to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and, and look look at it face on? And when it's too much to bear, maybe we have hopefully a friend in our community, a brother or sister in Christ to, to hold our hand and say, hey, I, I agree, that's ugly, right? To love each other enough to not just use churchy words like I slipped up, okay? But to but to talk about things like pornography or say, oh, I got a little bit grumpy, right? But to use real words and say, no, that, that's anger that God hates and, and and despises and to look at our sin head on and, and then to say, but, but, but thanks be to God that, that he shines his light on it and that he is the light and that he endures the darkness for us so that he can now make, make clean what, what is there, what, what we have brought in. Okay. And so the, this, 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 reality though, is that the light is both good news and terrifying news, right? D- depending on how we respond Okay, Jesus is the light of the world and he is exposing what is broken, what is dark, what leads to death. But the good news is that he has come to do a work. He doesn't just shine a light on it and be like, ha ha, look how ugly you are. Look at that. You know, no, he okay. again, using that camping imagery, he 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 washes clean. He he restores. If you picture like. He 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 turns on the shower, right? He through his through his blood, he he cleans us. That's this Old Testament language again. That just would be this understanding of, of 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 dirt, of brokenness, of filth, and it, and it needed to be covered. And Jesus covers us with his perfect life, and then his replacing or sacrificial atoning death, and then when he raised again, he gives us the new life that we are created for through faith in him and that's what we get a picture of now as we continue on that Jesus is the light of God and then he's come to give he's come in the flesh to give to give the right to be called children of God sons and daughters of God for all who would receive him or would believe in him pick up with me now in verse 12 to all who did receive him, if you're the type that underline and circle things in your Bible, you might un- circle receive, who believed, that's another one, in his name. He gave the underline, right to become children of God, who were born, that's another one you can underline, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. All right, let me walk through some of those words that I just emphasized right here. Okay, those who, who receive him, who believed in him. So to receive him is this idea of like welcomed submission. Again, for those of us who have been children, right? Who, who's that? That's everybody. Or who maybe have children, some of us. We've either experienced ourselves or in our kids this uh, uh, a, a t- tendency to, to kind of tighten up, right? To, to resist. Um, and sometimes when we get hurt, even. And then someone comes to comfort us. There can be a, no, 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 don't help me, don't help me. Like, we have one of those in our family, by the way. I don't want anyone to look at me. I don't want any folks. I don't want any help. But then eventually when there's a, a surrender, a, a receiving of help, it's, it's, it's a welcome submission. It's kind of a melting into comforting arms. That's the imagery that's used here of receiving. Um, I don't want to get off on this too much, but I do want to, because I think in our culture, we tend to operate as though we're in all the control and God is like a salesman giving us a pitch and we're like, "Uh, I buy that. I I receive that. And it's more like this intellectual, like God is coming and offering us something and then we're the ones in the driver's seat being like, ah, nah, not really. Yeah, I'll take some of that, but not all of that. You know, like we're buying a, you know, used Saturn, no, but God is 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 coming and is and is again shining the light on our brokenness in the person physically of Jesus, and then He is is coming to rescue us. And then the question here is: um, Will some or those? There's this, that not everyone will, but those who see Him rightly will will welcome and submit to Him. And then this word, their belief, goes hand in hand with that. And I just want to make it a point here. This isn't intellectual assent. Okay, when we hear belief in our world, um, in kind of the post enlightenment, we're so caught up in this idea of, yeah, I believe that again. I intellectually have it all connected. Or let me just say it this way too we think if we can write on a paper the right confession theologically about who God is. And what it means to be a Christian, then we're good. And then our lives can just be very different from that. But this idea of belief is, again, is is like a, a full, embodied, all of life, all in trust and submission to who he is and what he's done and what he's saying and what life looks like in his name. Okay, so let me just say here, this is the opposite of idolatry. And church, I, the last number of months to me has revealed we think we've got idolatry nailed. We think we know, even just earlier, I brought up a couple things, oh, porn and anger, and it might be you know, consumerism or shopping, usually whatever it is that we don't struggle with. But our hearts are so idolatrous, let me explain that for a moment, means we take something and we center our lives around it, something other than God, something other than who we are created in his image, that that everything we have, everything we say, everything we think, every relationship we have, we have everything we do is meant to be um, laid bare in, 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 in full submission to him and then born out of and flowing out of what he says and what He's done. And yet our tendency is to treat even God um, with an idolatrous heart. Okay, God, I'll take the parts of you and I'll form you like Plato, right? Or like... What's the little, uh, the little head that you could make? Mr. Potato Head, right? I don't know if any here, all the younger people will be at the next service, by the way, so I, I won't use all those things. I'll talk about whatever young people today use. But you know, like Mr. Potato Head, oh, I'll put these eyes on, I'll put this nose, these, these ears, this hat, these shoes, and you can mix it all up and change it up and we treat God like that. But these words of receiving and believing are totally different. This means I I submit to God as he truly is, as he truly reveals himself to me. Okay, the parts that I struggle with, well, then my thinking needs to shift. The parts of him that I don't want to respond to in a certain way, when he tells me to love my neighbor, all my neighbors, when he tells me to live my life according to um, the, the way that he said is right and true and beautiful and good. Uh, like all of it. That's what these words mean. And so I, we tend to think of them differently. And the result, again, is Good. Okay, God's not like a UFC fighter just choking us out and then like, finally are like, okay, okay, fine. And it's just this like submission. Is bro- no, the result is good. What do we get to be when we put our faith in him for all those who receive him, who believe in him? He's given the right, verse 12, to become children of God. This means all of Jesus's rights and privileges he gives to us, his very best. Okay, he doesn't take the biggest cookie on the plate and then give us the crumbs and the leftovers. No, he says, all my inheritance, all my rights and privileges of being the eternal son of God, Okay, the heir, the firstborn, all the rights, all the privileges, all the inheritance, you get it all. And we'll see that again and this is the like the um, prelude or the overture to all of John we'll see that when Jesus turns water to wine that's an example of of I give you the very best from the beginning to the end. I'm not like the world around you that, that like tries to hustle you once you've all drunk a bit too much and you're a little bit tipsy then I bring out the you know bottom shelf wine, but Jesus gives us his very best and then when we get ahead in, in like John chapter um I think it's 14 when he when he says that um, in his father's house, there are many mansions and he's he's giving us um, all all, we all get to participate in the very best. Right. We don't have to live in the pool house and the shack out back. But this is imagery. These are signs, again, to point to what we're learning right now, that Jesus being God, the son and having everything he created, everything the very best you get for all those who receive him and believe in him. And then now in verse 14, this massively important part, we understand that again, it's all because of Jesus. Because our tendency is to think, oh, what do I do? do," Right, we saw there, it's not, not born, right? Verse 13, who were born not of blood. This is because people would have thought, oh, like if you're Jewish, you get to be a child of God. You get a mansion. But Gentiles would be like, oh man, I guess that stinks you know, for me. But no, this language would be, no, this is good news for everyone. God's family is much, much bigger. And some of us in our culture might think, well, you don't know what kind of family I came from. I either was born into a Christian home or I wasn't born into a Christian home. And no, this language is, listen, it's not about your bloodline. It's not about that. God is calling you into his family. And it's also not of work of the will. It's not grit your teeth, right? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, try harder, do better. No, it's a result. It's a gift of God. And then to make it so clear, verse 14, the word, right? The truth, the knowledge, the wisdom, the source of all of life became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the Christmas story. This is Emmanuel, God incarnate, God with us, God in the flesh. Church, this is massive, that, that it wasn't enough for God to sit back like the fairy godmother with a, with a wand and just kind of zap things, but he loves so much. He shines his light on and sees all the brokenness, all the ugly, all the cockroaches, all the dirt, all the funk from camping our whole life and just filth and, and things we've done and things that have been done to us. And what does he do? turn his nose up to it, right? Stick on a mask, right? That's a blessing, a mask, right? Oh, that smells. I'm gonna put, put a mask on right now. Um, you know, that person's got bad breath. I'm gonna put, put a mask on, right? What does God do? You no, know, he doesn't do that. He moves toward, he moves in. He takes on flesh, physical body, okay? And this is an indictment and good news for everyone, Okay, for the religious among us. For the, again, oh, I'm more of an intellectual thinker. There's this idea that Jesus shows us here that, no, 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 God is not a God far off. You can't treat him like a religious judge far off who's like, okay, I've got this checklist. I do all the right things, and then I go on my merry way, and I just live life as I want it to, as long as I keep him. No, the fact that God enters in is close for the Jew and the Greek in this time, for us in our day, for the for the intellectual, academic, and for the... Um, maybe feeler. And, you know, it's no, he comes close. He moves toward. And there's another thing that I want to emphasize right now that's so important for us. It's that by him taking on flesh, he shows us the importance of the body, the physical body. All right. um, uh, Lady Gaga, right? you Probably didn't think I'd quote her this morning. Lady Gaga says this. You can't have my heart and you won't use my mind, but do what you want with my body. And that's a, a, a growing reality, especially among young people today. And often it's a reaction or a response to those who have been hurt. But it's this idea of it's all about my mind. It's all about my heart. I'll just keep it close and locked up. But whatever I do with my body, whatever I let be done to my body, whatever has been done, even against my will to my body, doesn't really matter. And I just have to say this, church, and we're going to come back to it again. We, the last sermon we were going to preach before right, the, the world changed around us, um, uh, I believe it was March 16th was going to be, we were in a series of countercultural convictions. We were talking about different things, and we were going to talk about gender. And this idea, I say this in love and in concern and in care, but God's word speaks very pointedly, very clearly to what has been known as the male-female gender binary, to sexual identity. Because the narrative right now is that stuff doesn't matter. My physical body can do whatever I want it to do, or I can tell it whatever I feel or think And there is, that's a massive conversation. And I just want to say, we're going to come back to it. We're going to have it. But this is one of the places where we see, no, the body's really important so much that God himself, in order to solve our problems, took it on. He came in physical form. He came in the flesh, full of grace and truth. Is that not, are those not two of the things we need most in the world right now? Grace, undeserved favor. Love, patience, kindness. But that's not really grace if it's divorced from truth. And truth, right, looking and saying that is broken, that is darkness, that will lead to death. I I love you too much to just sit here and say, hey, whatever you want, whatever you feel, whatever, you know, however you want to define things, just go for it, whatever is good. No, it's saying, "I I love you too much. In grace, in long-suffering, in patience, in relationship. Let, let's, let's, let's look at who we're created to be as children of God for all those who receive him and have faith in him. And then just this, this word comes at the very end of this term, grace upon grace. And I'm not going to walk through all that and just because he talks about what he's saying is it's all been Grace there's it's it's listen the fact that when sin entered into the world we didn't just die right there and get smoke or our very first sin that's committed our very first rebellion against God that he doesn't just kill us right there that's grace okay grace his common grace the sun is shining the the streets some of them can be driven on, right? In like God's grace is, is there, is, is evident. It's always been grace. So it's not grace versus law or just, but, but the main idea here is again, verse 17, the first time Jesus' name sins, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace upon grace. The fullest measure of grace is Jesus. Church, you want to understand what life is all about? Look to Jesus. It's about bearing witness to his glory, to his work. It's about displaying and proclaiming what he's done for you. It's It's about seeing him in the flesh as the very light of God and then receiving, believing, submitting to him and then being given the right to be called children of God, sons and daughters of God all of life, worshiping Jesus, receiving the blessings, the grace, the truth of Jesus. So let's pray now and respond to him together. Again, Father, um, thank you for your word given to us. Thank you for your spirit who leads us through how we respond even. Lord, I pray that right now we will all on, online, outside, in here in the sanctuary. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will will do a work. Lord, will descend upon us and will enable us to receive you. Lord, to warmly submit to you. God, to surrender to your loving grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen.